Cool. Welcome back to part two of the Clay Table podcast with your host Nisat and Ernest. <laughs> we'll get better at that. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Where were we? Fourth wave. Fourth wave. Okay. Fourth wave coffee. Okay. So um, we're filming this in, in two parts just because there's a lot of content and information, and I think it's just easier to digest in chunks yeah yeah, if anything would sounded strange or is a bit confusing listening to this part two episode then um head back to part one so that you can understand the context of what we're talking about so fourth wave coffee this is what we're in now yes yeah okay and that's the focus has been sustainability but what does that mean i feel like everybody uses the word sustainability like we are a sustainable company, our food produce is sustainable. Uh, but what does that mean? Yeah, I think I think the word sustainable is now the, the a trend word. Yeah. And I guess we're also touched to um, fair trade and those things as well. Yeah. Um, but that's going to be a whole episode. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot to say about but, that. But so, so if we think about. Um, Sustainable. I mean, sustainable is is like is like using the word good. You know. It's yeah. Well, the thing is, it's a very loose term correct. because sustainable in what regard? Sustainable for your business, sustainable in your supply chain, sustainable um, from bean to cup, sustainable from an environmental aspect sustainable in terms of uh, longevity of whatever's being manufactured or produced or whatever. So I think there's like a lot of facets and I think companies or, you know, coffee producers or importers or buyers or roasters um, that are on the sustainability journey. I think that's a start. I think that's that's really good. Correct, I mean, yeah. that's that's where everyone should start. But yeah. I think it's important for them and us to really understand what our impact is and what the vision or the goal is and what kind of sustainability game we're playing. Because how can we look ahead to improve or be more sustainable or you know better? with what we're doing if we don't really understand the vision and it can't just be your business vision or the roaster's vision you know Uh, what about the farmer correct what about the country that this comes from and i think rwanda they've with the trade rwandan trading trading company they're a good example because they had a very clear vision of how to kind of mitigate these problems, support the farmer's vision, but also the vision of importers and buyers and Correct, things like that. Yeah. It's not perfect, but it's certainly better than, yeah. you know, yeah. not having them there. Correct. But again, <laughs> I feel like yeah. we can talk about that for like another two hours. Yeah. I think what we should do in one of the upcoming episodes is just kind of demystify the coffee procurement process because yes. a lot of people ask us about that and we of course will share yeah. all information um just so that people can really understand like what it takes to get coffee to here. get the coffee here but also the farming process correct it's so. not just oh let's let's plant a coffee tree and get some coffee and make some money yeah 
Like some farmers rely on one yield per year. Yeah, Imagine harvest, putting yeah. your whole life and future into one crop. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. It is scary, yeah. eh? It's scary to work extremely hard in extremely difficult conditions for an entire year to hope that somebody's going to buy it. And you don't even know what the price of that is going to be because Correct. it's not um, it's not uh, uh, listed, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I think this this is the the issue with this fourth wave movement, this movement of sustainability, this movement of a bit more uh, uh, understanding of the raw ingredient. It still doesn't relate to a human being actually earning a proper living at all. And yeah. and I think this is where the uh, Speciality Coffee Association of America and uh, the Q Institute or the Grading Institutes are now playing a big part in ensuring quality and value of the coffee itself to actually ensure that the farmers and the communities are actually getting paid for the quality they produce. Okay. which is a big thing. Well, I think you've summed it up quite perfectly and <clears throat> that's essentially this fourth wave of coffee is how can coffee procurement be uh, a mutually beneficial transaction with various stakeholders? So, of course, you have the farmers, but you have the importers, uh, well, the exporters and importers. Then you have, you know, the coffee roasters yeah. and then you have the consumer and how can that process be more transparent so people know not only the origin of where this coffee comes from but the farm lot the farmer's name the conditions of the farm itself um, and the quality of the coffee the quality of the coffee and yeah. the price that it was purchased for and how does that translate into the the future of the farmer can he or she, because actually most uh, cherry pickers are female, can they then reinvest that back into themselves, into their farms, have their own washing stations, because most of them don't, so they can't control the end product and therefore the price. Um, education around coffee and, and that kind of thing. So this fourth wave is incredibly important, and this is where specialty coffee kind of comes in. So I think just for the, to make this just more digestible, easier to understand, let's just split it down the line and say we've got commodity coffee and specialty coffee. Because you have other grades below this, like premium and things like that, but I think let's just take the two extremes. Correct, yeah. Just to clearly define the differences. Yeah. Um, and then if you're interested, you can obviously research uh, whatever in between. Yeah. But, okay, so you mentioned um, the, uh, okay, speciality coffee. So this is coffee that's scored by a body. Correct, yeah. So, so it's the, the Q Institute and the Speciality Coffee Association of America have come up with this um, system or scoring sheet to taste coffee. Um, and to score coffee out of a score out of a hundred, 
what the Q Institute's done is they brought it in from the green bean. <laughs> Bella's drinking some water. Bella's like drinking water. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's like extremely loud. <laughs> this is real life. So, so, so I, I think, I think that's been the most important part of, of coffee and what speciality Q graded coffee is. This is coffee that's called. <laughs> Sorry, oh God. Bella. Bella, oh my word. Her timing is impeccable. Yeah, well, it's the most important part. I feel like to, to record this podcast, we need to be in like one of those, you know, those safe rooms in yeah. those American movies. Yeah. It's like we have neighbors upstairs that are so loud. We've got someone crying outside that's also like really loud. We couldn't get our sound to work this morning. So this podcast, you're watching this and it's like 24 minutes, but it's taken us four hours. Yeah. Okay. And then Bella, who is our basset hound, is drinking water. Okay, yeah. are you fine now? Okay, yeah, yeah. cool. Okay. okay, so back to specialty coffee. Okay, so specialty okay. coffee, then in, uh, in the scoring system, the Q grading system, now she's pushing open doors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Q grading. So, okay, let me just start over again. Okay. <laughs> you were doing so well. Got it. Okay, okay so, like, so, so, so there's this body and then there's a scoring sheet and correct. with the scoring sheet it's not just this thumb suck of someone cupping coffee and saying, Mmm, I like this, this tastes nice. There are different categories. So before you even get to the cupping, yeah. the, the, the the bean the beans are analyzed through a random sample and that's um, based off the size of the bean, um, yeah. it, it, the number of insect bites and that kind of thing to kind of regulate what could be classified as specialty coffee because a lot goes into producing specialty coffee you know and it's a lot of uh, hands-on maintenance a lot of um alchemy really that that takes place in growing and harvesting specialty q-grade coffee so i mean to 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 touch exactly what you're saying, that like kind of a lot of hands-on to mm. get a speciality graded coffee, or something yeah. that it's scored 85 and above, but must have zero primary defects. So at first glance at those coffee beans, there must nothing must stand out mm-hmm. from that sample of like, hey, something is wrong. And none of these are genetic. This isn't genetically modified. No. You know, and that's quite important, I yeah. think, to to understand like. Yeah, the amount of work that that goes into Correct. this. Yeah. So yeah. just just to get to that point, the farmer has to pick the same color cherry within twelve hours to process. So like, and that's been the biggest issue because coffee has been sold as a volume based um, commodity and not as a quality based thing. Farmers are still strip picking. Literally, strip picking means um, all the cherries are on the stem. Mm-hmm. And they literally pull from unripe to overripe to just about whatever right, they can get. whatever they can get. And they yeah. strip the entire plant from all its produce um, at once. And that yields different sizes. Some mm-hmm. coffees will be overripe, underripe. Some mm-hmm. will be eaten by insects and things mm-hmm. like that. So when it comes to specialty coffee, you know, farmers have to pick a certain ruby color, for example, when it mm-hmm. comes to a red bourbon and mm-hmm. pick just that actual cherry. Mm-hmm. And that gives us a green yeah. coffee that is a bit more stable. And even just with that, you know, the the farmer 
but who is picking those cherries, they need to have the experience and the knowledge and and this is what I meant about like that hand to being to cup aspect that will hopefully never be lost yeah. through technologies because the farmer knows when to pick it. It's not yeah. just like this um, instruction of okay, when the cherries this color, pick it. It's an it's an it's a experiential thing, and they know when to pick the right Eve. cherries. Yeah. You know, and it's a time-consuming thing. Each of these are are analyzed and yeah. um, and uh, the, the weather and when to pick. I mean, oh, there's so it's... many variables. And then, like literally from that picking process, after that's picked, it then gets sorted from um, being uh, then sorted out from cherries that are overripe or um, yeah. something wrong with the seed in floating bins and from yeah. there, <laughs> Bella is just acting like No, Bella, just give us like 10 minutes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, so so pe some people are like, okay, so what? So a bean is a different, uh, the cherries a different size and whatnot. But it does have a ripple effect on the end process because by the time it gets to the roaster, if a roaster's roasting or beans that are different sizes, um, are at a different um, maturation process, then the, it affects the roasting, yeah. right? Because yeah. now you're gonna like over roast, under roast, and now for some people and even roasters, they don't care. Like yeah. they just they're happy to get like the bottom of the barrel coffee and roast it. And we're not saying that you know that that must all disappear. The world must focus on specialty coffee. We understand the economics of coffee. Also, running a farm and running well. a farm and all of that, and understand that there is a mass consumer market for mass. Uh, produced coffee but I think um, where it's important to differentiate when you are a pro specialty coffee store or roaster um, and you have an agenda with only sourcing and procuring specialty coffee your your consumer needs to understand that the, that process in order to kind of justify the price because it is more expensive. Correct, yeah. You know, so and I, and I think that's the major thing for consumers and perhaps listeners that aren't really well versed in the coffee industry. My intention is for them to really know the ins and outs so they can make better decisions when they're purchasing coffee. I mean, if you want to go and buy coffee from a Starbucks and whatever, cool. If that's yeah. your vibe. Um, but you can't come to a specialty coffee roaster and then complain about their prices because you need to understand that supply chain. Yeah. But even with that, I mean, of course, there's going to be some cheeky companies out there that are charging way too much, and yeah. you know, even if it is specialty coffee. And that's something that you as the customer needs to kind of mitigate and question and really understand what you're buying to feel that you've made an informed decision. Yeah, and, and I know. think the biggest thing is like, you know, we understand that, you know, it's impossible and if, you know, other farmers are listening in any other form of production of a uh, ingredient is that not everything you farm is going to be specialty grade. That's impossible. Yes. Yeah. So, so... Well, there's, I mean, there's, how would you supply the demand? I mean, correct. obviously. So, yeah. so, you know, I think the biggest thing is the speciality is not 
it's not only just the importance of the actual quality of grade of coffee, but also the importance to understand that we need to pay the farmers more money so they can produce a better, more consistent product and earn more money, I think. So that's the biggest thing. So And it's fair enough. I mean, why should specialty coffee farmers be bundled in the same category as commodity farmers? Correct. I mean, they put way more work in, oh, you know, time, yeah. and they should be paid accordingly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. these are, these are uh, on the same par as uh, producing heirloom uh, varietals, you yeah. know. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into it, a lot of experience, a lot of risk, and with anything that's rare and of a high quality, you need to pay the price for it, yeah. you know? And we are prepared to do that. So we, I mean, we pay our farmers three times more yeah. than um, commodity prices. The, the commodity price, which even still, I think they should be paid more, you yeah, know? Yeah, big time. And they should put their prices up because yeah the amount of work that goes into producing this type of coffee is incomparable yeah you know and, and I think it's 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 that kind of second wave of coffee that made people pay a lot more uh, for their per cup price or for their flat white or for the americano yeah um, but with, now, but what's happening though is that so coffee, uh, if you go to a coffee store or whatever, the prices have gone up, um, and but it's not specialty coffee. I yes. think that's also a problem. No, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying is that that these that second wave of coffee people are charging a ridiculous amount for a flat white substandard product. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So 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 people are charging a lot more for a cup of coffee. But the ingredient cost is so low, so user consumer, yeah, yeah. So user consumer pays the same price, well, a couple of uh, rands or dollars more than a commodity coffee shop compared to speciality coffee shop, because the speciality guy can't charge more prices because nobody will support him if he charges the prices he has to charge to justify. Yeah. Because yeah. we in South Africa have been limited down our prices because of yeah. how people have been consuming coffee for so long. So, but so, but, but we, so are you saying like, so basically if I understand what you're saying is that specialty coffee roasters or coffee shops that are selling specialty coffee can't put their price where it actually needs to be because that's way too expensive for the, the current market to even comprehend correct you know yeah but on the flip side as well i think your commodity coffee is overpriced oh yeah big time well, big time you know oh, yeah. based on what you're paying yes. for the raw products correct yeah but so. i don't think the solution is to necessarily drop those prices because then again what does the farmer get like that's not what i'm saying at all but um we should hopefully move into the space where specialty coffee is something that consumers um, want and are in demand for, which we have seen, yeah. you know, and are happy to pay um, the price for specialty coffee. 
but fully understanding why they're paying that, that price. I think that's important because me as a consumer, I would want to know that, you know, if all of yeah. a sudden, uh, you know, a flat white is costing 50 Rand where the usual standard price would be 30, I would want to know why. Correct, you know? yeah. And I think even even at, uh, you know, saying what you said now, like, I think with our business now, we're running at, and we're not saying everybody should do what we do, but for us disclosing all those coffee prices online and telling people mm. how much we pay for coffee, people w walk out of our store with a bit more pride of yeah. understanding like, okay, I'm actually helping people in the supply chain. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's been our way to present speciality coffee yeah. um, to the market is saying like, it's not because, it's not just because it's a high quality ingredient, but it's also has a positive ripple effect throughout the supply chain, which yeah. has been, been a fantastic thing to see people adopt that mindset, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that was important for us because we yeah. would have never opened a coffee shop if we weren't able to offer transparency in how we source what we pay um, because it also keeps us in check and holds us um, responsible and, yeah. and accountable. And, you know, I'm... Um, hoping that this is something that's also sustainable for us because it hasn't really been done before. Um, well, I don't know of any other coffee company in South Africa that discloses their prices and has transparent uh, coffee. Um, and we knew at this, so, you yeah. know, and, we, and our margins aren't great because we are paying a lot more, but we're trying to also appease the customer by charging reasonable prices but that's not to say it's not a business model that won't work because it, it, when you look at the numbers it does work yes but <laughs> know your numbers yeah know your numbers but you know it, it, it's not just um it, sh it takes a lot of support and compliance from numerous stakeholders it's not just us so yeah. like we were very lucky to work with importers that were on the same wavelength, that were very supportive, that were very transparent, that we have customers that love to come to our store because of the transparency aspect and are happy to pay for yeah. you know, high quality coffee. And we need that to sustain what we're doing. You yeah. know, we can't just do it on our own. 100%. Hey? Cool. Yeah, and that's yeah, it and there's so much more. I mean, this is just really an introduction, and just uh, you know, uh, uh, just the ice, the tip of the iceberg. Really, yeah. there's so much information that still, um, you know, needs to be put out there, and so much we still don't know, and that we're still yeah. learning. But we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Cool. So we look forward to seeing you guys next time. If you have any other questions or comments, leave them in the comment section below on SoundCloud or YouTube. Um, and if there's any other topics you want to talk about, let us know and we'll introduce them on our, on our platform. That's it. Um, I think next episode we'll talk about transparency yeah. and how we procure our coffee. Cool. cool. Bye. Bye.